0: Tonight we got the right guy to break down where we are. Let's bring in Victor Davis Hanson. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Victor, we
1: immediately thought of you as the right guy to talk about when you see the way the left is talking about who we are as a nation, who their political opponents are, and now what they're willing to do about it. It's scary for people. How do, can we walk back from this type of precipice?
2: Yeah, I think we can, but remember they the left projects. So if Christopher Steele draws on sources like Dashenko and Dolan, a Clinton operative, they draw on Russian sources to smear Donald Trump and then they call it Trump collusion. Mm-hmm. So they're talking nonstop about civil war. They really are, and they do things that are revolutionary. I mean, nobody on the right said, "Let's junk the the 233 year old electoral college 180 year old filibuster the 150 year old nine person supreme court nobody said let's bring in uh, two more states and end the idea for 60 years of a 50 state union and then when you look what they've actually done they failed at that but nobody in the republican party ever tore up the state of the union address on national mm. tv like nancy pelosi no Speaker of the House, not Newt Gingrich, not anybody else, Paul Ryan, they never said you can't to the minority party, you can't have these people on the committees. That was a revolutionary thing to do in the House. Uh, nobody ever goes outside the homes of Justice Kagan, thank God, or Justice Sotomayor. There's not right-wing assassins that show up out there. And when you look at the literature that's coming out, if you look at the New Republic or the nation, these left-wing venues, all you hear is blue exit and it's time for succession, and we can't live with each other. Or if you read, you know, Time Magazine, that classic article by Molly Ball in February of 2021, where she gushed, she was giddy, outlining what she called was a conspiracy to change radically the voting laws, to inject four or $500 million to alter the way we voted for for centuries, so that 70% of the votes would not be cast on election day, even as the rejection rate would decline by a magnitude of seven or eight of the individual ballots. So these are revolutionary things they're doing. And the other thing is they never show any data. It's easy to say Trump is a fascist, or Trump did this, or these people are revolutionaries or they won a civil war, but did Donald Trump ever try to weaponize the, the, the IRS in Lois Lerner fashion? Did he take the FBI and use it to go after Joe Biden's residence when uh, he was president? Did they go into the DOJ and have the, this collusion hoax? Did any of these people who worked for Trump lie four times to a federal investigator like the FBI Director Andrew McCabe? So they are the revolutionaries, and they project it onto others. And what's the whole purpose of this, Pete? The whole purpose is on these agenda issues, they're behind. And Joe Biden has an anemic rating, and they feel that if they can gin up a January 6 crisis, sort of a Reichstag fire, and they did it, remember, in 2021 when they Mm -hmm. uh, had barbed wire and 30,000 troops in Washington, D.C., and the greatest weaponization since the Civil War, or they can take the raid and just dribble things out. One, One week, it'll be nuclear secrets. The next, Trump improperly took out momentos. The next he was trying to get information on his enemies and then the media goes to town with a bombshell walls are closing yeah. in and otherwise we don't, we don't we're not going to look at the issues inflation the border energy prices crime afghanistan foreign policy instead it's always react to allegations that you're insurrectionists and as keep they to the media and keep
1: the projecting narrative continuing because that continues the conversation exactly where they want it. We knew you'd be the right guy to talk about it. Victor, thank you so much for breaking it down. Thank you. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson Tonight. By all accounts, Attorney General Merrick Garland was shocked to hear criticism of the raid on Mar-a-Lago last week. It turns out that Garland lives in such a tiny airless world of left-wing activists and sycophants that it had never occurred to him that anyone might object to sicking the FBI on Joe Biden's political opponents. When woke Twitter and the New York Times are your only sources of news, police state politics seems perfectly normal. Trump is bad, find a reason to arrest him. That's how they think. So if you watched Garland carefully at his press conference the other day, you may have noticed that he appeared highly annoyed by the idea of having to stoop to explain himself to mere citizens. But he found a solution. Being a liberal, Merrick Garland's first instinct was to seize the role of victim. Because when you're a victim, you've already won the argument. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to change your behavior. You are, by definition, the good guy. The victim always is. Being oppressed means never having to say you're sorry. So as Garland explained at the press conference, the FBI was, in fact, the real victim here. Mean old Fox News was asking unfair questions, and that's just wrong. So the real problem isn't that America's most powerful law enforcement agency is dangerously politicized and corrupt. No, the real problem here is that people have dared to complain about it, and they must stop immediately or else they're domestic terrorists. As Garland put it with what seemed like genuine outrage, I will not stand silently by as the integrity of the FBI is unfairly attacked. Well, of course, media organizations loved it. There's nothing they revere more than a victim. Victims are holy. So they immediately took Garland's side. They're being mean to the FBI. Stop it, guys, that's not allowed. But if you take three steps back and think about it for a second, Garland's position, which effectively is, you're not allowed to criticize me, I'm the attorney general of the United States, is pretty weird. In fact, it is an inversion of the traditional relationship between the U.S. government and the population it supposedly serves. According to Merrick Garland, the onus is on American citizens to respect the FBI. Obey, it's your duty. But of course, that's not true. In a democracy, the onus is on the FBI to earn the respect of Americans. They work for you, remember? And lately they have not been doing a very good job and people know that they haven't been. The public's confidence in the FBI has plummeted by double digits in just the last few years. And unfortunately, there's a reason for that. And it's a huge problem. We need the FBI. You can't just defund federal law enforcement. There are a lot of federal laws. Most of them are silly. Some of them are not silly at all. They're very serious and they must be enforced. So we have to have an FBI and it has to be an FBI we can trust. And we can't trust it until its behavior merits trust, until it's Honest and to the extent it can be transparent, consistent in the way it enforces the law, we have to have a federal law enforcement agency like that. We can't just make it go away and hope for the best. But we're nowhere near that point because the people who are supposed to be overseeing the FBI have ignored egregious examples of corruption over many years. But they're getting very hard to ignore because they're just so obvious now. And it's not just the raid on Mar-a-Lago, Consider the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. You may remember that story. It's from the fall of 2020. You may even have followed it a little bit and heard how it ended. So it seemed like a terrorism plot was in fact a setup by the government to make a group of ordinary people in Michigan look like terrifying right-wing extremists. Those violent white nationalists Joe Biden is always mumbling about. Well, it turns out there aren't enough of those people in real life. They're pretty rare, actually. It's not a very racist country, despite what they tell you. So the Justice Department had to go create some, and they did. And that's not just our opinion, that was the finding of a federal jury in Michigan. So it's a shocking story, really. But the details of that story are even worse than that. They are beyond belief, and we'll tell you what they are in just a minute. But first, to set the scene, here is Gretchen Whitmer herself, governor of Michigan, announcing that she was the intended target of a terrorism plot. This is from October 8th, 2020.
2: Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who are preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. If you break the law or conspire to commit heinous acts of violence against anyone, we will find you. We will hold you accountable, and we will bring you to justice.
1: Oh, we'll bring you to justice. I'm so important that militia groups have organized to take me out. What a self-aggrandizing description. But the last thing she said, we'll bring you to justice. Well, they actually tried to do that. They had a trial and then a retrial. And thanks to that, we have testimony and cross-examination that reveals what actually happened, how the FBI engineered this plot. Now, most of the media were paying zero attention to this. Julie Kelly of American Greatness has actually covered it. and We're grateful to her for what she's found. So here's the outline. In early 2020, a 35-year-old Army veteran called Dan Chapel, nicknamed Big Dan, was working as a contractor for the U.S. Postal Service. He drove delivery trucks. He was scrolling Facebook one night, and Chappell says he found a pro-Second Amendment group called Wolverine Watchmen. He says he just happened upon it. So Chappell testified that he was concerned by the group's criticism of law enforcement. So he went to a police officer friend of his and asked for advice. None of the messages within the group violated any law, but somehow within a week, Chapel wound up connected to the FBI, to several FBI agents, including a special agent called Jason Chambers. Now we learned through testimony in the trial this week, why Chambers was interested in the case. It turns out that Chambers, in violation of FBI policy, was running a side hustle he just incorporated a security firm called EXE Intel. And he saw his work on the Whitmer case as a way to promote his own business. We know that because throughout 2020, someone affiliated with his business, their Twitter account, repeatedly tweeted non-public information about the kidnapping case that Dan Chapel was building for the FBI. So it's not surprising given the built-in incentives here, which were against policy, once again that Chambers appeared to do everything he could to make sure the investigation went according to plan. Now, no investigation can go according to plan because there shouldn't be a plan. An investigation is the process of finding out what happened. An investigation is not the process of orchestrating things to happen. But that's exactly what this became. In all, the FBI with Chambers as the handler paid Chapel Big Dan, more than $60,000 in the course of just a few months. Today, Chapel testified that he made more money working for the FBI in seven months than he did working for the United States Postal Service over the course of an entire year. So there's a lot of money moving from the FBI, the federal treasury, to this informant. So the FBI told Chapel that in exchange for all of that money, he needed to start assembling a group of right-wing extremists for the FBI to prosecute. They made the whole thing up. And he did that with the FBI's help. Within a few weeks, the FBI created a new Facebook group called Patriot Three (laughs) Percenters. This is why you should be careful of Facebook, by the way. Oh, it's just this group. It looks interesting. Yeah, okay. So, Chapel and several members of that group then attended a protest at the Michigan State Capitol. Look at you bringing people together, the FBI handler texted Chapel. Now, throughout that protest, which didn't look a whole lot different from the January 6th protest, Chappell kept in touch, close touch, with federal agents. He informed the feds that a 37-year-old man called Adam Fox was at the state capitol during the protest. Now, Adam Fox was got to be one of the least powerful people in our society. He lived alone with his two dogs in the basement of a vacuum repair shop. Why? Because he had no money whatsoever. In fact, he had so little money that in order to get running water to brush his teeth or use the bathroom, he had to go to a nearby Mexican restaurant and use their men's room. So, Chapel began texting this diabolical mastermind, Fox, hundreds of times. But Fox seemed inherently moderate, actually, he wrote things like this, quote, our goal is to restore the Constitutional Republic. Fox also said, quote, in our hearts and minds, we are not domestic terrorists. Oh, sounds very dangerous. So based on those text messages, the FBI gave Chapel more instructions. They provided Chapel with several $5,000 limit credit cards, and they told him to give those credit cards to Fox and tell him to spend it on guns and ammunition. So Fox, despite the fact he had no money at all, he used the men's room in a Mexican restaurant to brush his teeth, refused. On five separate occasions, he refused to take the credit cards to buy guns and ammunition. Then, what a terrorist. Then in July of 2020, Chapel suggested that Fox and others fire rounds into the governor's mansion as well as at her cottage. But the alleged plotters, including Adam Fox, again refused. They didn't want to hurt the governor. Ultimately, in August of 2020, the group started to splinter. Chapel and other informants were instructed to keep the group together. No! Keep it together! (laughs) Keep the threat real! So they introduced another undercover agent who pretended to be an explosives expert. He showed the group a video of a bomb that blew up a vehicle to prove he knew what he was doing. Where'd that video come from? Well, it was made by the FBI. Is this shaking your confidence a little bit? These details are real, by the way. They came out at trial. Then the bureau recruited a convicted felon and a longtime FBI informant called Stephen Robson to introduce a new idea to Fox as well as to Barry Croft. This time, the idea was to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Robson, with the FBI's money, organized several events, including a national militia conference in Ohio, training in Wisconsin, and a meeting in Delaware. FBI orchestrating all of this. On July 18th, 2020, at one such militia meeting, again, organized by the FBI, when they tell you, oh, right-wing extremists. (laughs) In this case, they created them. So at this militia meeting, an alleged plotter called Ty Garbin rejected out of hand, the idea of kidnapping Gretchen Whitmer. Didn't want to do it, no, I don't think so. Kidnap the governor, no, we're not crazy. We just want a constitutional republic, okay. Then the topic came up again in August and then another defendant called Daniel Harris was equally adamant, no snatch and grab, he said. I swear to effing God. So clearly, they said it emphatically, out loud, explicitly, these are people who are not interested in kidnapping Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. But the FBI kept pushing. The FBI informants drove the defendants to Gretchen Whitmer's home. Then they suggested killing the governor of Virginia, also a Democrat. On September 5th, 2020, FBI Special Agent Jason Chambers texted Chappell, quote, mission is to kill the governor specifically. What country is this? To pressure one of the defendants, a man called Barry Croft, into doing that, One FBI agent admitted this week that a female informant slept in the same hotel room as Croft was a honey trap. FBI agents also testified this week that they regularly got high with Adam Fox. They smoked weed with Adam Fox. They said he was so high. In fact, he was high in all of his meetings with them. Again, that's against FBI policy. You can't just give drugs to people and hope they do something bad. Well, after all of this failed to produce a kidnapping plot, it fell on yet another FBI agent called Richard Trask to build the criminal case against the defendants. Now, that same year, Trask, who has now been convicted of beating his wife, called Donald Trump a piece of excrement on social media. Really? Yeah. Just nonpartisan federal bureaucrats, public servants doing their job. Now, incredibly, after all of this, the person in charge of the field office overseeing the Whitmer investigation in 2020, a man called Steven D'Antuano, was promoted, not fired, promoted, to lead the DC field office in late 2020. Are you connecting the dots here? In other words, the guy who made sure that FBI informants were active during a rally in the Michigan State House in 2020, as part of this concocted plot, that same guy, went on to become the guy who oversaw the investigation into, wait for it, January 6th. The election justice protest they're calling an insurrection. But just remember, don't ask whether the FBI used informants to entrap anyone on January 6th. No, you can't do that, or else you're an insurrectionist yourself. Nor are you allowed to ask why Steven D'Antuano's agents were involved in the raid on Mar-a-Lago even though that's in Florida and he's in Washington, because it turns out questions like this
3: are hate speech. Watch all the buzz on the internet and all over the airwaves it, it, it does it does have an impact.
2: Well, I mean, you could say buzz. <clears throat> well, there's I'm, an awful I'm lot calling of, it buzz. There's cause... an awful lot of hate speech coming from uh, pro-Trump media outlets uh, Ang uh, uh, attacking lot of anger. the nation's premier law enforcement agency simply because Donald Trump is is being investigated.
1: Oh, it's hate speech. Now, if there's one thing we know about hate speech is that it's not protected by the First Amendment. You've read that part of the Constitution where it says you can say whatever you want as long as MSNBC doesn't designate your words hate speech. So when they call any criticism of the FBI, that would be Joe Biden's personal defense force, they call that hate speech, what they're really saying is you're committing a crime. (laughs) You can see where this is going. But the truth is, there are still questions about the FBI's behavior on and around January 6th. And given what happened in Michigan, where we know beyond question that the FBI tried to create an act of terror, it's fair to ask what exactly did happen on January 6th. And why is the FBI still hiding footage, critically, of the person who planted a pipe bomb outside the DNC on January 6th while Kamala Harris was apparently inside, something that she lied about for months? What exactly is going on here? We're, of course, not alleging anything. We don't know the answer. But we know for a fact, given the FBI's behavior, and we report this with great sadness over the last several years, it is worth getting to the bottom of this. In fact, we have to, if we're going to restore confidence in federal law enforcement. No one is asking these questions really apart from revolver news. And here's what they've come up with. Watch this.
3: Camera one shows the pipe bomber walking up to the DNC grounds at roughly 7:40 to PM. He sits on bench one. Then he gets up and walks off screen. According to the FBI, he walks the length of the DNC building and 10 minutes later, he comes back to the same bench area and sits on bench two. There, at 7.52 p.m., Camera 2 captures the pipe bomber sitting on bench 2 and, we are told, planting the pipe bomb by the side of the bench, next to the bush. We are told the pipe bomber plants the pipe bomb there, but we can't see it. Camera 2 is occluded by a giant bush that blocks the scene. The pipe bomber even looks at Camera 2 head on, for some reason. It's very frustrating, because we can't see the moment the pipe bomber plants the pipe bomb, but the FBI can. That's because the whole scene should be captured on camera one as well, and much more clearly than camera two. Camera one has a clear shot of both benches. If the FBI released the full tape from camera one, we could see the pipe bomber planting the bomb.
1: Okay, so what exactly happened outside the DNC on January 6th? And why is no one asking that question? And why has the Department of Justice Not told us. We've heard everything they want us to know about January 6th. Why not more about this?
2: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
0: And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. So, um, the demonic, and I don't know how else to describe stuff, like the clinical way of describing the mutilation of children. Top surgery doesn't even sound clinical. Does that even sound clinical to you? No. It, no, no. That that's, that's Island of Dr. Moreau stuff. Well, you know, I took the top off the bird and I... You Human know, centipede I, was not an instruction Yes, it, thank you. Uh, I gelled it to this, uh, you know, Bedouin slave I have. You know, I gave it top surgery. I mean, that, that does not even sound clinical or scientific. It just, it just sounds like savagery. Spirit of the AG. It is. I mean, at least they came up with the term abortion. They didn't say we were plucking, well, you know, we just take the forceps and we take this child out to, you know, uh, limb by limb. Limb surgery. Limb removal. They at least he came up with a clinical term. Top surgery is the best they came up with. I want to, I want to share something with you today, because I want to make sure all of you know and understand precisely what we're talking about. That when we say something is savage, barbaric, demonic, it is not a rhetorical flourish. If you can come up with something that is tamer than those words to describe what I'm about to describe to you, then you're better at this than me. Send your demo to the blaze. First, um, they cut open your scrotum. Then they remove your testicles. They will then remove the skin from your penis and they will use the penile skin to make a pseudo or false vagina that they will then shove into your abdomen. This penile skin sleeve, you know, pseudo vagina will have to be stretched weekly for life because it cannot self-lubricate. It leads to nowhere. Sometimes they accidentally still get the scrotum or the testicle uh, skin in there and there's actually hair on the inside, not the outside. The tip of your penis is chopped off and fashioned into a clitoris. They cut and then reposition the uh, the too long tube where urine comes out uh, to position it below the head of your penis as sort of a... F- pseudo clitoris they create labia from your inverted penis skin they then will use the scrotum to create a more quote natural looking neo vagina these are their terms that's what we're talking about doing to people let alone children children And now maybe you understand why they just decided to go with top and bottom surgery. That's what we're talking about here. So no, Island of Dr. Moreau references terms like barbaric, like savage, like demonic. In no way, shape or form are embellishments at all. This stuff is from the pit of hell. And oh, by the way, do you really think a medical community filled with people like that wouldn't knowingly inject you with a poisonous jab? Do you really think that? Or deny you effective early treatments so that that you would be forced within a year of a pandemic to think you had no alternative. There was nothing else for you to do to face down the virus which they created there was nothing else that you could do to face down their virus uh, other than take said poisonous jab because no other no other appropriate treatments were available if you are this is a this this was a point that you raised Todd before covid emerged that i think is one of the most salient points in the history of this program going back to years before you even came to work on it If you will accept this, the eradication of gender, if you will install this into your belief system and into your worldview, then literally everything is on the table after that. Everything is. Absolutely everything. You're not east of Eden, you fell off the flat earth, you're in hell. You're a disciple of hell. You belong to the synagogue of Satan. You are an emissary of hell. You are a construct of demons. You preach, teach, and deploy the doctrines of demons. You are a son of the devil. That's what you are. Your father is a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. You yourself are one as well. Your eternal soul is in peril. Your eternal soul is in jeopardy. Get on your knees and in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, beg God not to give you the eternal torment that you deserve. And in the meantime, our earthly authorities should give you the justice you deserve. You should be in a hole and we throw away the hole. You should be in a prison cell where you never see the light of day ever again, ever again. You should be, you should put, be put on trial like we did the previous era of Joseph Mengele's. With the gallows seen over the hill as a reminder of what's at stake. There is no other word, no other word for this other than evil. No other word. No other word does it justice. We are totally depraved, but we are not utterly depraved. We all still carry the Imago day. We do not go here on our own as a species without a prompting. There's a reason why such acts in all previous anthropological eras all were in association with a religious ritual. Because a demonic entity had infiltrated the culture and said, this is how I want to be worshipped. The mutilation of yourselves and your offspring. Because where I come from, we hate you. With a fury and a viciousness that your primitive meatbag languages could not even begin to define adequately. We get off on it, we enjoy it. The closest thing we achieve to an orgasm comes from watching you do this to yourselves on our behalf. And that's what is going on here. It's just the demonic entity is quote science, the state. But this is demonic as hell. This is the kind of stuff I never thought I'd ever say in my lifetime. This is the stuff classic works of fiction are written about. This is Mary Shelley stuff.